This is Annie Grace, and you're listening to this Naked Mind podcast, where without judgment, pain, or rules, we explore the role of alcohol in our lives and culture. This episode is sponsored by The Path, the coach-guided membership designed to help you make alcohol small and relevant in your life by removing your true desire to grab that next drink. Our science-based, compassion-led program allows you not only to shift your behavior and your relationship around alcohol, but more importantly, uncover and reprogram your subconscious conditioning and neural connections that have been keeping you stuck for years. With daily live breakthrough coaching, an intimate and supportive community, regular peer-to-peer connection calls, and a complete vault of resources, this is where your path to total freedom and effortless enjoyment of your new way of life begins. Join us at NakedMindPath.com. Hi, this is Annie Grace, and welcome to this Naked Mind podcast. I'm here with Casey. Hi, Casey. Hey, I'm so excited to be here and to see you again. Yeah, so good to see you too. It's just awesome. So, all right, why don't you sort of take us back to the beginning for you? Where did your journey with alcohol start? Yeah, absolutely. Well, so I kind of always loved to drink since the beginning when I started. And I actually didn't start really drinking until the very end of high school or the beginning of college. It was mostly because I went to boarding school. My parents actually lived overseas in South America and Africa. And um, because they were so far away, I was terrified of getting suspended or expelled from high school. So when everybody else was drinking and doing drugs and all the things, I was an incredibly good girl. Like I was like, if I get kicked out of school, I literally have nowhere to go and my parents are going to kill me. So I just, you know, I was kind of straight A student, did all the things, communicated with my parents sort of once a week on a payphone and saw them a couple times a year and went off to college and immediately was like, how do I get out of my head? Like, I'm no longer scared of being in trouble. I want to make friends. I don't want to constantly, I was sort of hypervigilant, always feeling like I needed to do everything right. And I felt like drinking just made that all go away. So I got into college and I actually joined the women's rugby team at college, which I don't know if anyone listening knows much about um, rugby, but it is very ritualized binge drinking that in college was very, very fun for me. Um, But it was the funny story just to interject. Uh, All right. So I grew up in Aspen, Colorado and in Aspen, there's a very like the gentleman of Aspen was the rugby team and rugby was the only thing anybody in Aspen cared about. I mean, even our high school, like didn't play enough football that they had to cancel the football team. People also cared a little bit about hockey, but anyway, the professional rugby team was a gentleman of Aspen. And I spent two summers being the ball girl because the kicker only wanted like a sand mound. He didn't want Mm -hmm. to use the plastic thing. So I'd go out, shape the sand. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, that is awesome. So, you know, all about rugby. Yes. And were you invited to any of the parties after that? Well, the I was, I was still in high school, so <laughs> I was invited, but I didn't, I didn't go. I didn't want to, I was kind of like you get good girl. Young. Yeah, right. Yeah. So the, it was just, it was sort of a breeding ground for problematic binge drinking as the goal. 
And so, you know, I, I really liked it because I felt like when I was with the rugby team and drinking, anything could happen and almost like things could be more adventurous than I would be on my own. Um, especially if I got blackout drunk, like I was like, then I definitely can't sort of stop myself. Um, but you know, I just kind of did that all through college. I played rugby all four years. I still got straight A's. I went to graduate and again, felt like, oh my God, I have to find some place to go. Like literally I will be homeless and have nothing to do if I don't get a job because my parents were still overseas and everyone else was going home and hanging out with their families and friends. And I was just like, literally dorm closes. I need a destination. So I got a job in DC and I started working and found my first job and living on my own, really stressful. Like I just, I wanted to do a really good job. I was nervous about it. I worked for a big consulting firm. Um, and I just kind of started drinking wine in my apartment every night and thinking like it was very sophisticated, like no more kegs for me. Thanks. I'm going to move to wine now. Um, but the funny thing is I'd gone to boarding school and college, so I couldn't cook at all. So I would be like eating Lucky Charms with a bottle of red wine, thinking that like I was pretty, pretty badass in my, you know, at the age of 22. Um, but your story, Annie, your book, This Naked Mind actually came out four months before I quit drinking six years ago. So it was like one of the first ones that was my companion as I was driving around in, in the early days. And I related to your story so much because I was also a wine girl. I also drank every night. I was sort of a 365 nights a year drinker, yep. no days off. Um, I drank a lot as part of my job. So I worked in consulting, in product management, and in digital marketing at startups and big Fortune 500 companies. So when I was working, you know, we had beer 30 where like all the new employees would go on a beer run and bring it back on Fridays. We went on a lot of business trips and drank. And it was both a big perk of my job and a way where I bonded with people. You know, you have a late night meeting, you're in the bar, you're talking about the clients, you're recapping about it at the airport. So it was a big part of my life all throughout my life. But when I look back, I was always a drinker. Like I just enjoyed it. I just sort of, you know, as you do, I shifted what I drank as I sort of grew up through the years. So it was no longer kegs. It was going out to the bars. And when it was no longer going out to the bars, when I was living with my husband, it was bottles of wine at the dinner, at the dinner party. And then once I had kids, it was wine at the mommy play dates and, you know, going over to our friends' houses on Friday afternoons after work with our kids and kind of starting the party. So I was always a big drinker. And, you know, what's amazing to me is how much it wasn't noticed, but or commented on by the people around me. It was just kind of what I did. And I think that my husband and I met when we were in our first job out of college together, we were 22. And I always drank and he drank too. Turns out once I stopped, he was way more of a normie than I was. He was just trying to keep up with me. But um, 
you know, it, there were a lot of things going for me that kind of kept it off the radar, the degree to which I was drinking and sort of waking up with a hangover every day. So I would basically like come home from work, you know, leave work, pick up my kids from daycare, after school care, get home, open a bottle of wine, six, six thirty, whenever, um, sort of drink glasses of wine while I was cooking dinner, helping the kids, um, doing the dishes. Then I'd get the kids to bed, sit down on the couch, you know, enjoy my what one hour, hour and a half of, of alone time. Sometimes have to go back to work while doing it, right? Get out the laptop yeah. and then finish the bottle. And then sometimes, you know, it'd be a Tuesday night and I'd be having a party by myself in my living room, having a great time. And I'd open a second bottle. And, you know, usually the fact that I would drink an entire bottle of wine a night as like the baseline, that somehow was never questioned, which is really crazy now looking back. Like that was just like, yeah, that's what's going to happen. Um, you know, my husband would occasionally give me the like side eye and the like, what the hell are you doing when I'd be opening bottle number two on a Tuesday night? And I just feel like, what? I just want one more. And, you know, I often passed out on the couch. I, you know, he couldn't wake me up to, to take me to bed. So he'd just kind of give up on me and I'd wake up at three in the morning on the couch. Um, I would come down in the morning, like weirdly still trying to work out at five 30 in the morning, but like when I'm grabbing my coffee, I'd sort of hold up bottle number two with one eye closed and be like, how much is left? Like, is it three fourths of the bottle or just like a quarter? Cause that would kind of tell me how horrible my day was going to be. Oh, yeah. Um, I felt kind of shaky. I hated putting on my eye makeup. You know, my eyes were bloodshot and watery and didn't want people looking at me too closely at the bus stop with the kids in the morning and yet would go to work and hold everything together and be extra smiley and do all the things. And then by four o'clock, I'd be like, do I have enough time to grab a bottle of wine between my last meeting and picking up the kids again? And that was kind of how I lived um, for a long, long time. Yeah, I can relate to all of that. Yeah. And it's crazy. Like now that I look back, I can't believe how hard I was making life on myself. Like just, you know, like running a marathon with this ball and chain tied to your ankle. Yeah. But at the time I thought it was normal. And, you know, since learning so much and reading your books and everything, it makes sense that I would desperately want wine and would think it made me feel better because obviously I was constantly in withdrawal from it Yeah, and just exactly. had no idea. Yeah, so true. So, so what happened next? Well, I, you know, I spent a good bit of time doing that, like back and forth rationalization of like, I would walk into work in the morning, you know, after dropping my kid at, at school and be decently hungover, um, walking into Starbucks, like I need my breakfast sandwich, I need my latte with the debate in my head going, do you just abuse alcohol or do you actually like seriously have a problem? Like, are you an alcoholic? Because in my mind, if I just abused it, like that was way better. Cause that meant I could just stop abusing it. And it was this daily back and forth somewhere in between, like, get your shit together. What's wrong with you? Why did you do this again? Do you have a problem? You know, at the same time, while seeing all my coworkers, I mean like, Hey, what's up? How's the fam? You know, I mean, it was ridiculous. 
So I worried about it for a long time and did the back and forth of like, I'm all the rules, right? I'm only going to have two glasses at home. I'm only going to drink when I'm out. I switched from red wine to beer and to white wine because I didn't like it. Um, you know, switching to boxed wine, bad idea. But I was like, oh, maybe it's the bottle that's the problem. Like the fact that, you know, you only have a third left, you might as well drink it. So, and then I um, didn't, wasn't able to follow through with any of those rules. And like stuff just kept, you know, a lot of the times it was okay, but sometimes it wasn't. I would go out with coworkers in LA and somehow always got to work in the morning, but, you know, was throwing up in the office bathroom, trying to be really quiet you know, on a work day, on a Thursday, um, on a business trip, like stuff that, you know, objectively was not the most professional behavior I've ever seen. Um, and then um, not remembering stuff. I was sort of the queen of blackouts, like gray outs, like just my husband would constantly be like, we talked about this. And I would be like, are you messing with me? Because literally my mind is blank. Um, I did a bunch of stuff that I wasn't, um, they were sort of like a death of a thousand cuts. Um, you know, like I, my son would be like, oh my God, I got $2 from the, uh, from the tooth fairy. And I had put a dollar in and completely blanked that out and then put another dollar in. And just like, literally blank spaces in my mind. And so when he was about five, I found one of these awesome private secret Facebook groups. I know you've got an amazing group um, where people were talking about trying to not drink. And I, you know, was terrified and shaking and shared my story there. And a million women came back and said, oh my God, your story sounds exactly like mine. And you're not a bad person and it's going to be okay. And I hear you and I know it's scary. And it just felt amazing to actually share what was going on with me and to have people tell me that I wasn't bad or wrong or crazy. And this was when he was five years old, my son. And so one of the women in the group uh, who was sort of around my age and cool and lived in Seattle, like I did, was four months alcohol-free and she was going to AA. So she invited me to go with her and I was sort of like, mm, bucket list, okay. <laughs> Never thought I'd do this. Um, I went with her and everybody was very nice and it, it was eye-opening. It was stuff that I you know, had never really seen talked about before. And I went for about four months, you know, I, I was like, all right, let's give this a go. And it turns out it was just not my path. Like it works for so many people and love. I have so many friends who do it, but for me, um, the mantras, the big book, all the things, it just, it didn't resonate with me. And it actually made me sort of rebel against it quite a bit. Um, I hated feeling like I needed to say I was an alcoholic. I have quit drinking six years ago. I'm actually a sober coach and have a podcast and I do not call myself an alcoholic. Um, I, I find for me, it's, it's very unhelpful and I don't even know what that means or if it's true, but it doesn't help me to think about it at all. Um, so I ended up backing away from AA and got pregnant with my daughter. And then as soon as she was born was like, oh, 
I can drink again. It was entirely situational, right? Like it was my boss and my husband and my job and life. And it definitely was not the alcohol that brought me to that place. Um, so started out with like, I just want to have a glass of wine every couple days on a date night with my husband. Um, I would say within a week, I brought a bottle home for a Friday night. Within two weeks, I was back to wine every night. And within a month, I was back to a bottle of wine at night. And it actually took me 22 months to stop drinking again after Mm -hmm. I started. Um, And the entire time I knew it was a problem. Like, you know, once you start doing this work, you know, every time you're hungover, every time you don't remember stuff, every time you're shaky, you know, it's because of the alcohol. And yet I sort of was in that place where I knew the way I was drinking was unsustainable and I was going to have to stop. Like I'd gotten past the point of like, oh, this is manageable, but I just didn't want to stop yet. Like I was like, I could probably drink for a couple more years before I actually need to stop. Um, And then, you know, for 22 months, I sort of went between this is no big deal, or I like it, or I don't want to stop today to this is awful. And I feel like shit and I have to stop now, but I can't, um, or I just don't have the willpower. And then I woke up at three in the morning one day, like no different than any other day. And someone had posted in some group about, um, another day one. And someone in the comments mentioned working with a sober coach and I had the anxiety and the, I can't fall back to sleep and I hate myself and this sucks. And I went into work that day and, uh, signed up with her for a hundred day challenge. And at that time I could not get more than four days. Like it was just, I would go four days, drink a bottle of wine, four days, drink a bottle of wine. And that was me like working really hard at it. Um, but that was my last day one. And that was six years ago. Oh, congratulations. That's so awesome. Casey, I love that. Um, I want to go back to a few things that, that you talked about. First of all, was when you were thinking, okay, if I just abuse alcohol, like that's okay. Cause I can stop. But if I'm an alcoholic, that's not okay. I want, I want to understand yeah. Like, what was, yeah, what was in that. that well, literally memory. my worst case scenario was never being able to drink again. Like that was the absolute worst case scenario. And I very, very consciously was like, I need to get a handle on my drinking so that I never have to stop because I loved it so much. Like literally it was my favorite thing in the whole world. And my husband would say to me, you know, when I was, you know, having glass number three of wine on a Monday, he would be like, why do you keep drinking? when you feel good. And I was just like, I just never want this feeling to end. Like, I just felt like if I just kept drinking, it would go on longer, which of course now we know, yeah, it doesn't. (laughs) And and it makes it worse and you're not going to remember it anyway. And you know, all the things, but it was just that feeling. And so even though I kept waking up just feeling like total garbage. I kept feeling shaky. I kept hating myself. I had that metallic taste in my mouth. I kept being like, I just need to figure out the right ratio of how much to drink. Like what's the sweet spot that if I can keep it at that, then I can keep it in my life and still get those hits. 
but you know, I thought if I'm an alcoholic, that means I can't ever drink again. Mm -hmm. And so like, that was the worst case scenario. And what I figured out was that like, I could have saved myself so much torture, mental torture, physical torture, you know, pushing, hating myself because once I stopped drinking completely versus trying to moderate, I felt so much better and it was amazing. And I think it was the label of also being an alcoholic that kept me from stopping drinking for the longest time. And you've talked about this, the stigma associated with it, as opposed to a positive health choice that anyone could choose to make at any time. Oh, yeah, that's so true. So I want to talk more about like when you, when you started again after a break and sort of what was going through your mind and how the 22 months. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would say that for me, it was a couple things, you know, in when I stopped that time, when my son was five, I was sort of at emotional breaking point. Um, I was, you know, kind of fighting with my husband a lot, which we actually don't really fight. Um, and I couldn't remember what we fought about in the morning. Like I, I, he'd be like, okay, I told you I wouldn't do this anymore. And I was so upset, but I actually couldn't remember my argument and what it was due to the drinking. So I was sort of not totally happy in my relationship, but I felt like I wasn't clear enough to get a handle on it. Like I couldn't piece that apart from knowing that I was drinking too much. Um, I was really stressed out at work and kind of like unable to cope. And again, I couldn't piece out what was working at a startup, what was working crazy hours, what was my boss versus drinking too much. Um, I was pretty unhappy and I couldn't, you know, I was like, why am I angry? Why am I unhappy? My life should be pretty good. Nice husband, beautiful kid, enough money, good job. And yet kind of going through each day thinking like I would, I would sit there and like the phrase that would come to mind when things would happen was I want to shoot myself like five times a day, you know, and I'm just like, all right, this is messed up. And so I went to a counselor for anxiety, but also made sure he had a specialty in addiction. Right. And said, okay, I want to talk to you about my boss, my job, my husband, my life. And by the way, I drink a bottle of wine a night. And he said, all right, let's talk about your drinking. And I was like, no, you didn't hear me listen to, you know, this story about my boss. And he was like, yeah, let's talk about your drinking. So that was when he was five. And so I did take a big break because I worked with my therapist. I went to AA, I posted in the group. I was like, okay, I need to get a handle on this. And then I felt better, right? I was like, I feel I'm happier. My marriage is better. My health is better. I'm not anxious. And I said, I feel so good. And I think a lot of people do this so I can go back to drinking now because I'm so much better, Mm -hmm. not putting together that. Like I felt so good because I wasn't drinking like that. That was why. And so when I went back to drinking again, one, I figured out that, you know, stopping was not easy. You know, it was sort of the idea of, I took a year off. I can stop again whenever I want. And once I started drinking again, I was like, yikes, this is, this is not easy. I can't get more than four days without going back and forth and saying, forget it. 
But also it brought me back down to that same really low emotional point where I felt like I couldn't cope, where I was going around God going, oh, I want to shoot myself. But that time I knew it was the alcohol. I knew it wasn't situational. I knew it wasn't my job or my boss or my, you know, my, my husband, because I'd been there before. Mm -hmm. And so that time I was like, oh, it's the wine, Mm -hmm. you know? And so from that realization, did it still take you quite a long time to sign up with the sober coach? Um, yes and no. I mean, I honestly didn't really know a sober coach was out there mm-hmm. because I'd been to AA before, and this was six years ago. So there weren't as many programs like your book had just come out. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't like, I feel like it's amazing now that like, you've got the alcohol experiment and you've got the path and you've got all these programs at the time, there was some amazing quit groups and some awesome online, um, Facebook groups and the Instagram group wasn't really out there as much. And so eight years ago, nine years ago, it was AA kind of or nothing. And six years ago, when I stopped, it was sort of just the very beginning of being like, Oh, they're sober coaches. And so I had thought when I was trying to stop on my own, I don't want to go back to AA. That wasn't for me. So I'm just going to try to do this through pure willpower. And that was not working either. And I really needed to flip my thinking about it. And your book helped me so much with that in like, Hey, it's not me. It's the substance. It's the alcohol. That's the problem. And you don't need to be an alcoholic to decide that this is not doing for you what you think it's doing for you. That, you know, everything we have been told in our lives that alcohol brings to us, you know, looking at it objectively, it's not true. And so when I stopped drinking, I did, I did reach out to the coach and I emailed her every day, honestly, for like two years, like my initial goal was a hundred days. And, you know, in the beginning, it was just like, all right, it's day 16. All right, it's day 22. I'm going out to dinner with my husband. What am I going to order? What am I going to say to the other couple? Um, You know, my kid's screaming, I want a drink. What am I going to do instead? But then it was doing all the other work around like my beliefs about how being a red wine girl tied into my personality. I mean, I, Mm -hmm. I don't know if you experienced this, but I was actually scared that people at work would find out that I stopped drinking because I thought they wouldn't promote me if they knew I didn't drink, which is crazy. Right. I was like doing so much of a better job than when I was like grayed out or hung over. Yeah. I, I did not have that experience um, (laughs) because I was in charge of my department. So like there was no promotions to be had, but, but I do remember it being bumpy and people giving me grief about it. And I've had a lot of people tell me that they're afraid that their career won't progress or won't be able to progress because of that. In fact, my cousin who now doesn't drink anymore, but at the time she was working for someone who, uh, actually she owned two, I won't say what the company is. Everybody would know it, but she was, um, second in command at this company and the CEO also owned a winery. And Mm -hmm. so she would literally stop drinking except for times she had to go out with her boss, the CEO, and just Mm -hmm. drink just then because she was very afraid that it would be problematic. So I completely understand. I just dove in and and told people and they were weird, but (laughs) well. Yeah, I ended up telling everyone 
around me that I was doing a hundred day, no alcohol health challenge. Like my coworkers, my boss, my girlfriends, my husband, I didn't tell him anything more than that. And I needed to do that because there was no chance that someone was going to not notice that I wasn't drinking. Like I always drank, you know, there was no, like I'm doing an early morning workout or I'm on antibiotics. Like they would basically think I was pregnant, which I also thought would not be great. So it was one or the other. So much sense. So, um, then with the sober coach, I am curious, like what, what do you think it was that shifted? Was it accountability? Was it just knowing someone's checking in? Yeah. I mean, I think it, it was definitely accountability for sure, but what I think it was, was just showing me like the next step on the ladder. So I needed to not think about forever. I needed to not think about forever, you know, never again, but the issues for me were like, all right, it's 6 PM on a Tuesday night. And my, my daughter was two when I quit drinking, she's screaming and my husband's out of baseball practice. What do I, what do I do? Like, I really want to drink and just kind of keeping me in that moment and being like, all right, what else can you do? Can you bring in more help? Can you go take a bath? Can you, um, you know, find childcare for different periods of the day, you know, just almost giving me a push to do, take better care of myself and the reminder that I was doing this for myself, that I had decided I wasn't drinking so that that was off the table, as opposed to when you're in your own head, it's so easy to back out of it you know, just to be like, this was a silly idea. I feel like once you commit to someone or to a program, you're like, oh, yikes. I, you know, nobody does that if it's really no big deal at all. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that so much. So, um, since I know you have, uh, so two, uh, two, I guess, kind of final questions in your story. First of all, can you tell people where to find you? Should they be interested in your podcast? Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, hello someday coaching.com forward slash podcast, or you can just go anywhere you listen to podcasts and search for the Hello Someday podcast. And I am so excited because Annie is my guest for my 100th episode that's coming yes. out um, pretty soon. It might already be out by the time this airs. So I, it was totally an honor to have you on. And it was such a fun one. We had a good time. So it's so awesome. And then Casey, let me ask you what I always finish up with, which is if you could go back to, uh, you know, Casey of, especially I think, because it sounds to me and correct me if I'm wrong, that those 22 months of kind of that in between, because there was no blinders on anymore. Um, And I'm sure you, would you say that your desire was more to stop during those 22 months than it was before? Yeah, for sure. So if you could go back to her and tell her what life is like now, what would you say? I think I would tell her that it's way better. And I thought it was going to be worse. I thought that I would miss drinking for the rest of my life. And I would just feel deprived and like, you know, something that I loved so much was taken away from me. And instead I've found that my world has opened up so much and actually become more fun and more adventurous. And I've met more people not drinking. Like my world has actually gotten, it was pretty small when I was drinking, you know, I did the same things. I 
fell asleep early. I felt like crap in the morning. I saw the same people. I had the same conversations. I had the same debate in my head. And once I stopped drinking, you know, it's like this explosion of personal growth and transformation and opening. Um, so yeah, I think I tell her that it's way more fun than you think it is. And you're not going to miss it. I love that so much. It's almost like, you know, the first step to really building the life that I always wanted happened on the other side of that, because that first step was really obscured because bad news flash, but that first step can be kind of painful and we're obscuring that pain, but it's in like allowing ourselves to actually feel what life feels like that those feelings can kind of guide us and help us navigate to, to the, to the places we need to actually solve stuff or own stuff or take, you know, take responsibility for our own existence. And, um, it was all for me very much like so much texture and richness opened up after that because of that, not numb anymore. So, all right, got to show up for myself. What does that actually look like? Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes I actually miss those early, you know, I went back and sort of looked through pictures of my first year and it was such a time of awakening. Like it felt so real and in technicolor and you had all these revelations in that first year that I, you know, I don't miss the hard parts at all, but I do miss like just that period where you felt like everything was opening up, you know, it was all so new. It's kind of cool. It's a really special time. It is. It really is. And it like, it does. Yeah. I, I agree with you. Like there's nostalgia for the early days in some ways, because it is just like, maybe after the first month. Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You there's some very, you know, a hard time sleeping, some anxiety, but once you get through, I'd say the first few weeks, yeah, yeah it's, it's like, wow, it's really interesting. I love that. It's so great. Well, thank you so much, Casey. It was so fun to have you on and oh, chat again you. and hear your story, get to know you better. Yeah. Thank you so much. Are you ready to make instant changes to your drinking? The answer is not in restriction or deprivation. And no, you don't need more self-control. I'm here to tell you that you can break your patterns and habits and finally feel liberated from alcohol. You can return to a life where alcohol is small and irrelevant for you, a non-issue, take it or leave it. In fact, I have three secrets to control your drinking and I'm going to teach them all live in a special three-day virtual event from March 28th through the 30th. Learn these three secrets to control your drinking and make changes instantly live with us. Save your spot today at controlalcohollive.com. I can't wait to see you there. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast as it truly helps the message reach somebody who might need to hear it today. Thank you.